an epic matchup between your two favorite teams, and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express. You breeze through the card member entrance, stop by the lounge. Now it's almost tip-off, and everyone's already on their feet. This is going to be good. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your live sports experience at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. Bring spring color inside this season with Bear Premium Plus paint starting at just $28.98 a gallon at the Home Depot. Add a pop of blue to your kitchen with the Bear exclusive color Arrowhead Lake or a splash of Amazon jungle to your living room. Bring a cool breeze to your bathroom with sea glass. Or accent your bedroom with sunrise-inspired colors like coral cloud and dark crimson. Let your creativity bloom this spring with Bare Premium Plus paint starting at just $28.98 a gallon at The Home Depot. How doers get more done. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to the Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. What's up, Open Floor Globe? This is Ben Galver with The Washington Post. I'm joined on the other line by Michael the Pod Pina of Sports Illustrated. Michael, we're going to start today's episode with some good news and I think some bad news. Um, I'll give you the good news first. Now, I read your DeJounte Murray feature that we had previewed on the last episode. A plus, 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 plus. I mean, as many pluses as you want, I will give it to you. You know it pains me to compliment you on this show, recognize you positively in any way. I've got to say it was a phenomenal read. Um, not only did you get great stuff from DeJounte, which you know, you're always hoping if you're doing a profile like that, but you had so many different people who knew him kind of before he was an NBA player who obviously really care about him, who are in some ways like trying to keep him on the right track. Their voices came through so well, and, and you painted such a vivid picture of the crossroads he's at right now as a potential franchise star. When we started our conversation, you know, on Tuesday, I think I was kind of like dancing into it a little bit like, well, this could maybe, you know, this could maybe be a thing. <laughs> I think you kind of sold me, Michael. I think like DeJounte in three years is going to be an all-star and, uh, you know, he's he's got what it takes. How was the reaction to your piece? Am I the only person who's been uh, lavishing you with praise? I hope it's been a nice victory tour for you. Uh, it, it has been. Uh, thank you for all the kind words and for all of our listeners who reached out and, and had nice things to say um, to me on social media. Um, I mean, yeah, like the, I think that the, the reaction was nice. Um, I'm happy that it's out in the world because I spent so much time on it and started reporting it. I mean, you know how it is like when a, you start reporting a story or even just 
you think back to when you pitched the story initially and it feels like it was six years ago. Well, that that was like magnified because of the pandemic and just the evaporation of time and a sense of where what day it is and all that. So it was it was good to get it out there. I'm glad um, people seem to enjoy it. And, and I mean, in my opinion, when you profile someone, you're only as good as the material. And so DeJounte, I mean, his life is fascinating and tragic and triumphant. And his ability to just, you know, eloquently assess himself and be so self-aware was kind of what shone through in the story more than anything, in my opinion. For sure. I mean, look, that piece was you at your best and it was SI at its best. I mean, that's sort of, you know, the the lane that SI has been known for is kind of digging be- uh, beneath the surface, telling the challenging stories, introducing you to players in ways that lots of other play- uh, places can't. And I thought it was just a, a perfect landing spot for it. Um, they gave you the daily cover, some nice gloss, Michael. That's pretty awesome. Um, <laughs> just all around fantastic. So that, that was a, a real bright spot this week. Um, unfortunately, hard, tricky transition here for me because we do have some bad news too. It's some challenging news. Um, and I'm not going to try to bury the lead here. Um, next Monday will be my last episode here on the open floor. Now, I've been co-hosting this show, Michael, for about five years total. You and I have been doing it for about 18 months um, it has been so awesome. You mentioned how many people reached out to you about that story from the, the Open Floor Globe. I mean, I have went through through the catalog. I mean, I've heard from thousands of people, literally thousands of people over the years via emails and texts and uh, messages, probably pretty close to 10,000, which is just a wild number. What's always tickled me, Michael, is that we hear from people in every corner uh, of Earth, right? I mean, Mongolia to Iceland to South America to... Western Europe, everywhere in between, and it's been an absolute thrill to uh, co-host this show for a long time. You know, for me, like professionally, it's a very difficult decision to to walk away from a you know a show that I think I helped you know grow kind of from the start. Andrew Sharp and I really were uh, putting a lot of our heart and soul into this show for years. Um, you know, to kind of build up a following, and certainly I've loved doing it with both Rob Mahoney and you in, in the years since. Um, but something had to give here, man. This has been a really long year for me uh, professionally, whether it was the book, uh, the bubble, um, and everything else, and, and looking ahead with the playoff travel schedule and just trying to find some level of balance. Uh, I just, you know, something had to give. And so, you know, personally, it was actually an easy decision. I need to take a step back and, and take a breath. Professionally, it, it was very difficult. Now, if you guys are interested in following the podcast that I will be doing, I'm still going to be doing a show um, with Andrew. It's called Greatest of All Talk. It's a subscription show. We've been doing it for you know basically uh, 13 or 14 months now. It comes out twice a week. Um, we're having a good time with it. It's been fun to kind of have my own project to work on, and um, that's going to be where you can hear me. So if you're interested in information about that, it's going to be greatestofalltalk.com. That's where you can follow my podcasting work. Um, Michael, sorry to drop that bomb on your head. Um, any reaction before we get to today's show? No, I mean, I, I knew about this before we started recording. It would be very comical if you just told me this news uh, on the air live. Michael, um, I am pregnant. <laughs> like That would have been, you know, like, <laughs> what are we talking about? I'm not going to just spring this on you. Yeah, but no, in all seriousness, I'm I'm real quick. I don't want to get too sappy here. Um, because we have a show to do today and then a show uh, next week that's going to be a lot of fun. Um, but I, I've said this to you privately. I'm forever indebted to you for bringing me on as your co-host. Uh, you know, I was a longtime listener. I was a member of the Open Floor Globe uh, before 
I became your co-host. I was a huge fan of you and Sharp, huge fan of you and Rob. And you're the goat. You're the goat of podcasting, NBA podcasting, and uh, it won't be the same without you. Well, Michael, you know, I always like to argue with you. I'm not going to give myself that title in any stretch whatsoever. (laughs) We could debate it, maybe have a top five rankings list and go back and forth, but I really appreciate that. You know, Sports Illustrated will have more to come on the future of this show, I'm sure. I know you're locked in, um, you know, going to continue the the legacy from this show. I can't wait to listen. It's going to be awesome. And, you know, in, in terms of the timing... It really just came down to like not enough hours in the day, right? The the playoffs are coming up. I'm going to start most likely getting back into travel season here pretty soon. And, you know, it's it's one thing to fit in a lot of these shows that I've been doing during the pandemic where I'm sitting at home watching games, you know, walking around my neighborhood and not doing anything else. But it, it does kind of feel like we're about to go zero to 60 here in terms of NBA coverage and and so that was ultimately the deciding factor here. I wish I could clone myself, Michael. Still been working on that technology. Haven't figured it out. I would love to hear from you guys. You know, I know, um, you know, it's always a two-way conversation here. So if you have anything, uh, any questions, comments, or concerns about what I just announced, let me know. Openfloormail at gmail.com. Openfloormail at gmail.com. I'm glad to get through those and, and reply to as many as I possibly can. All right, Michael, that's out of the way. Big, deep sigh of relief. That one's been weighing on me, and uh, I'm sure it will here going forward as well. We have a fun show today, honestly. I, I went into my bag of you know potential you know heater takes, I'd be honest. Let's start with what I'm going to call the postseason pressure meter. Maybe we should call it pressure cooker, not totally sure. But I'm really curious to know... Where do you come down on which players, whether it's stars or otherwise, are going to face the most pressure in this upcoming playoffs? Because pretty much everybody's getting back onto the court. Like I'm seeing headlines this week, Harden's supposed to play Wednesday, LeBron's supposed to play Wednesday night, and we're taping this on a Wednesday morning, by the way. Um, That's pretty much the last major names who need to get back on the court for this title push, right? So I'm curious, when you're looking around the league, surveying the league, which star or which player faces the most pressure heading into the postseason? I think you and I are going to exchange top five lists right now. So who you got at number one? Oh, wow. We're just going right off the bat, number one, huh? Well, look, I'm trying not to bury the lead. I'm giving all this horrible news right off the top of the episode, just just <laughs> dropping it right on everyone's head, including yours. And then now we're just going to you know, cut straight to the good stuff. Number one, who is it? Okay, so... <sighs> I guess I'll just start by saying that when I put my list together, I I actually had a different player, number one, and I thought that it was very obvious. And then I thought about it for like a a few minutes, and then I realized I was an idiot and I had to change and put my initial number one at number two. And the number one answer and the only answer for this, in my opinion, is James Harden. Wow. Um, we agree. Look at us. Yeah. Michael, I mean, this is not good. Are we <laughs> are we morphing together into one master brain? Right in time, right on time. Um I I put Harden number 1 because like I I don't know if on the court he's going to have the type of pressure that we've seen in years past where, you know, he's carrying the load, he gets exhausted, his team wears down. That was, you know, uh, that was the pattern of his postseason throughout his postseason performances throughout his career this year you know he's going to have assuming that everyone's healthy he's going to have Kyrie who got elbowed in the face by Vucevic and who knows if he's going to wear a mask or what his deal is going forward but Kevin Durant 
Um, also, you know, if he's healthy, uh, that will take some of the stress off of Harden in a way that he's never really had that luxury, that type of luxury before as the lead guy on a playoff team. Um, but now I'm just like, you know, you look at Kyrie has a ring. Uh, Katie has a couple rings, a couple finals MVPs. Like those guys are proven and solidified in terms of uh, that postseason hardware. Harden is the one who, you know, <laughs> he uh, was very disruptive in getting out of Houston because he wanted to win. He wanted to play with KD. He ground the league to a halt basically a week into the season and held his organization hostage for this. So if he doesn't win the championship, if he doesn't play well as a team that is favored, I would say, to win it all right now, I think you might agree with me, then, I mean, it's a colossal failure. There's really no other way to put it, assuming everybody's healthy and there's no obvious excuse. But, like, it's it, this is it for him. If you don't win this year, what are we even doing? It's, yeah. He has to. Look, he's going to have more shots for sure. It's not like this is, you know title or bust you're never going to do it again but the pressure is magnified by exactly what you said which is his preseason behavior he's kind of put the microscope upon himself and it's time to deliver now the injury stuff coming in I do think it makes it even trickier because he's had a little bit less time to gel with these guys and so they're going to be scrutinized all three of those stars even more than usual how are they fitting together? Is this going to work out? Can they put it together on an accelerated timeline? All those kinds of questions. Can they do it with the first-time coach? I just think that they're going to be that team that uh, everyone's waiting to fail. And I think within that group, Harden has the fewest stands, right? Um, he's going to be the easiest scapegoat if things don't go well. Even if he plays fine or well, but just not well enough, he is going to be absolutely like you know getting the the brunt of the criticism. And so... You know, anything short of a title this year, I think, will be viewed by many people as a failure, even if they're in the finals, right? If they lost the Lakers in the finals, I still think people would say, like, wow, you guys all teamed up and you still couldn't beat LeBron. Harden's never going to be able to do it. Like, I, I think that really, you know, he may actually win a title and still not get the credit. I mean, that's kind of the, how, how tricky this, this proposition is for him at this point. Yeah. So um that's why i agree with you number one pressure it's james harden who do you have at number two i, I think i might have a different number two than you but we'll see mm, interesting um this, so this was the guy who i had number one when i initially got your email and it's Giannis. um like for i think obvious reasons i mean this is the guy who would pretend i mean Jokic is the mvp sure but like Giannis was basically boxed out of the conversation despite ridiculous statistics that are comparable to his previous two MVP winning seasons because of the postseason failure, frankly. Um, you go back to that series against the Toronto Raptors in the conference finals where they lose four in a row. Uh, you go back to last year in the bubble where he sprains his ankle and they lose in the second round to a, a Miami Heat team that I don't think they matched up great against, but when you are this dominant two-time MVP, you're supposed to kind of rise above even when you're kind of outmatched. And Giannis just couldn't do that. Um, not putting all of their loss on him, but he has flaws in his game that make it so he's dominant in the regular season and tends to struggle in the postseason when defenses are kind of able to, to load up and force him to do things he doesn't want to do. So I'm fascinated to see how he adjusts his game in this postseason. And if he doesn't adjust his game, 
uh, and they and they struggle and they lose before they get to the finals. Like, what does that even mean for Giannis? I, I it's you know he's still really young and like you said with Harden, he'll still have plenty of opportunities to get back and win a title. But man, like if they don't reach the finals, if they're not competitive, at least in the conference finals against the Nets team that has all this superstar talent, I don't I don't know how we'll even look at Giannis going forward. So um, I have him on my list at five. I was a, a little bit more generous to Giannis. Wow. Well, here, here's why. Um, the super team's in Brooklyn. You know, it's not in Milwaukee, right? Those guys have taken a lot of the pressure to me off of Giannis to actually win a title. If they lose to the Nets in the conference finals or even the second round, I don't think there's going to be a lot of people who are saying like, God, Giannis is a choker. Giannis choked again. He's just not a playoff player. I think it's more likely going to be like, well, what was he supposed to do against three Hall of Famers who are arguably better than him? I mean, I think it's very fair to look at that series and say if you're drafting all the players in that series, take KD one, Harden two, Giannis three. And, you know, if you're going into a series against an opponent who has the two best players in the series, like, good luck. You know, I think that they're pretty clearly the underdogs, uh, they being Milwaukee. And I think that relieves a little of the burden from Giannis individually. I also think, though... There is pressure on the Bucks. They made the big swing for Holiday. They paid for Holiday, um, you know, with the extension. And it's kind of a do-or-die year to me for for Coach Bud. I think that he maybe faces even more pressure than Giannis does. And the fact that he's got the re-signed contract extension from Giannis, it's like, all right, well, if they lose, they'll roll it back again. It'll be a similar feeling to what happened after the bubble where it's like, all right, well, this guy's still in his uh, mid-20s. He's still playing in an MVP form. And by the way, I had Giannis number two on my MVP ballot. Don't think he got enough credit from a lot of people in these conversations in terms of how uh, Mm -hmm. good, consistent, and just monster his contributions have been all season long. So I I don't think this is necessarily a referendum year for him. If the Nets didn't exist, I would agree with you, but I think that they've given him some cover. I have a different answer at number two. I don't know if you're even going to have him on your list, but I think he's a really intriguing name. Wait, before we move on, I have a question for you about Giannis. Bring real it. quick. If he does not reach the conference finals, if he does not reach a matchup against the Brooklyn Nets and loses, what 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 does that say to you about where he is kind of on the pecking order of NBA superstars? Okay, so what you're forecasting then is some sort of an all-time disaster in the first round where maybe it's Milwaukee, Miami in a 3-6 or Milwaukee, New York in a 3-6. Less likely at this point, I think, is Milwaukee, Boston in a 3-6. So if they run into the same wall they had in last year's playoffs and he performs kind of to a similar manner, which I actually think he was a little bit underrated for his play against uh, Miami. The the injuries intervened. He did have some really good moments, and he had some bad moments at very, very inopportune times, right? Mm -hmm. Um, If they were to go out against Miami, he's catching a lot of flack. There's no question. But I I don't see New York giving them any problems. I don't see Boston giving them any problems. So, you know, to me, whoever else they might even face, if they get up to the two-seed, right, like maybe they get Charlotte possibly, like – I don't see any of those scenarios as being challenging in any way. So it basically boils down to, can you slay Miami? And I would take Milwaukee over Miami this year in the playoffs. What about you? Whew. That's a tough question, honestly. I think I would favor the Bucks because of Drew Holiday more than anything else. He's just he's the difference maker that they didn't have last season. It, it can't be stated how much of an upgrade he is over Eric Bledsoe and, and George Hill. Um, but... Look, Miami's like 
playing really good basketball lately. They're starting to get healthy. Bam looks tremendous. Jimmy Butler is I don't like I think I might have just undersold his impact when we did our all, all NBA episode. He's he's just really 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 good. And so I don't know, man. Like it wouldn't stun me if Miami beat Milwaukee in round one. The Knicks and the Hawks, and I mean the Celtics, don't even need to be discussed anymore, sadly. But uh, those two other teams, like I don't see them competing t- that well, well against the Bucks. But Miami's Miami's special, man. I, I hear you. Look, they're they would be they're the landmine team. There's no way around it. Nobody wants the Heat in the first round, especially when you're comparing those other teams that you're describing. But if that situation were to happen, Bud's fired the day after the series is over, right? And then yes. the conversation is less about Giannis and it's more about like, okay, who's the next coach? Where do we go forward? How do you improve the supporting cast, right? Um, Giannis would definitely take a lot of heat, um, but I think that he's been flying under the radar a lot this year and I do think that kind of helps. I mean, it's just different when you're that number one seed with the all-time point differential and all that stuff like Milwaukee was Very last fair. year. Uh, I just mm-hmm. think it's a different framing. Um but uh, yes, I, I do think that you've hit on something here, which is, you know, there's probably a pretty decent contingent of Bucks fans who are just absolutely praying they don't face Miami in the first round, no matter what, right? Mm-hmm. And if you're Miami, I think you're, you know, gun for this uh, four or five seed because you'll, you'll take care of Atlanta, right? Like, or whoever else you might get in it, uh, New York. That's a much mm-hmm. more favorable matchup for Miami than the Bucks, in my opinion. So I think the Heat have a lot of incentive here down the stretch to keep winning. Okay. Are you ready for my number two name? I can't wait. Rudy Gobert. <laughs> what? I'm legitimately stunned by this. I Go. Please explain. So I picked Rudy Gobert here not because I expect him to be like, you know, the finals MVP carrying this team through the, you know, the entire thing. But they are the number one seed right now. They'll probably finish the, this season with the best record and the best point differential. Their point differential is on par with teams like the 2015 Warriors, or the 2018 Rockets, I believe, whatever the best version of the Rockets was, these guys Mm -hmm. have been an absolute juggernaut, right? But at the same time, all year long, it's been sneak disses from LeBron and whoever else. You know, we would never pick the Utah Jazz in a video game. You know, you remember him doing that during All-Star Weekend. Mm -hmm. It has been a lot of people just assuming that Utah can't match up with the big stars in the Western Conference, a lot of people praying, praying, praying on their downfall. Now, on top of that, you had the small market incident after that game against Philly where they were screaming, you know, Utah versus the world. We don't get the calls. We don't get the respect. That's Those kinds of excuses are not going to fly if the Jazz go out early, right? And I think that for their benchmark this season, almost no matter who they get matched up with, if they don't make the conference finals, I think that that is a really tough look for them, given how well they've been playing all year long. And if they're going to get to the conference finals, that means Rudy Gobert is going to have to have the best postseason of his career. Now, I think that he gets unfairly treated and judged by the highlights where every once in a while somebody spins him around in a circle or really makes him look bad on the perimeter unbelievably impactful defender and he's had some good moments defensively in the playoffs but that's not going to be enough you're you're wearing a burden this year you've got to kind of not only stay on the court win some of these matchups dominate some of these matchups depending on who you get uh you know who you draw in the standings and play like a number one seed right you guys have been telling us all year long Utah Jazz that you're the number one seed that you have this incredible system offense that can blow teams off the court you've proved it night after night 
I'm giving Rudy Defensive Player of the Year. I'm giving Quinn Snyder Coach of the Year. I'm giving Joe Ingles Sixth Man of the Year. Um, you know, I'm not giving Den- Dennis Lindsay Executive of the Year, but um, you know, I I wouldn't be opposed to people trying to make that argument on his behalf, given some of the minor moves that he did to kind of put things together uh, for this season. But you know, the bill is due, so you got to prove it. And if you go out in the first round or you go out in the second round, no one will ever take the Utah Jazz seriously again in the regular season for the rest of this group's time together, right? This is kind of like their one shot to prove it. Everything's lined up perfectly, so they've got to prove it. That's my argument. What do you think? Well, first of all, before I get to a lot of the things you said, Joe Ingles for sixth man over Jordan Clarkson, I, I really respect that. So to, good, kudos good. to you for throwing that out there. No, I mean, it's it's always nice being right, and it happens a lot for me. And in this case, <laughs> I think it's right. I, I looked at the odds for that award, Michael. It's all Clarkson. It makes no sense to me. And it's tricky because Ingles, like, he's played a lot of games as a starter, but he still qualifies as a sixth man. I would say give it to him. Better passer, better defender. Uh, red hot three point shooter this year. Just I mean, if you're drafting players, who do you want? Ingles or Clarkson? I want Ingles. You know, pretty easy. This is why I hate NBA groupthink. Like Clarkson got the award in on January 18th or whatever, and then it was just curtains, and no one has talked about it since. So I, I agree with you. It, it should be more of a debate. Um, so as far as Gobert having a lot of pressure, I think it's a fascinating decision. I I feel like it is almost matchup dependent though because I, I hear what you're saying where their net rating is you know historically high and here's what I'm saying know, Michael t- if playoff Jokic just cooks this man I'm sorry he's wearing that for the rest of his career and I think that's what's going to okay. happen perfect per- personally but you got to rise to the challenge man that's your job if you're the you know the best defensive player the backbone of a top five defense and the number one overall team in the league. You can't let playoff Joker just destroy you. You got to fight back. Okay. So yeah, I, I agree with that for sure. I'm, I'm more focused on the scenario where they have to f- play the Lakers in round one and uh, Donovan Mitchell, who yesterday it was revealed will not play another regular season game until the playoffs, which is pretty concerning. And you have Mike Conley, who's missed nine, 10 games, I think, in a row with a sore hamstring. So the Jazz, while they have been um, pretty good in Donovan Mitchell's absence, I think they have the second highest net rating in that span. Like the playoffs are a completely different beast. Playing the Lakers would be a completely different beast. Um, So I think if that were to happen, I wouldn't fault Rudy necessarily. I would just fault the really crummy luck of a very strange season. Now, if they faced off against uh, the Golden State Warriors and, you know, they're dropping Rudy in pick and rolls and Steph Curry is just averaging 45 a night and hitting 15 threes per game then I think that's a bigger referendum on Rudy Gobert and a bigger referendum on the style of play that the Utah Jazz have to play because of Rudy Gobert's limitations. Right, right. But yeah, I think I think I want to wait and see before I say before I, I, I condemn Rudy, um, who's had a tremendous season and will win Defensive Player of the Year. You're giving these guys kid glove treatment, Michael. You're not treating them like a real number one seed. You're you're almost undercutting their performance. And you're saying, oh, you know, we don't really expect you to do it. Jazz fans, you should be insulted by what uh, Michael just said there. Uh, I'm, I'm obviously kidding. What is your benchmark for them for success? You know, like I, I put it out there as Western Conference Finals. I really think no matter who, who they match up with, like – 
okay, say the Lakers matchup. The Lakers have the talent edge. Everybody gets that. Utah's mm-hmm. got a continuity edge, right? They've been playing rock-solid, steady basketball, guys in and out of the lineup, whatever. They've had an amazing offensive identity and a rock-solid defense all year long. That kind of stuff counts a lot in the playoffs. You want to have good chemistry and cohesion. They've had it. So it's not like they'd be going into that type of series as some major underdog where they're not going to have any shot. Like They should go in there with their chest out feeling like they can do it. So that's why I say Western Conference Finals are bust. Where is your dividing line for them? It's a really good question. You know, I think if Utah caught the Lakers in round one, I'm not even saying that I would pick the Lakers um, as you and everyone who listens. Oh, we all know. I, I, we I all know who you're picking, Michael. <laughs> you're picking anybody but the Lakers in every opportunity you get. Exactly. So I will do that shamelessly until the day I die. But I, I, I kind of I, I think I am with you just in the sense that, like, you know, it's assuming Utah gets the one seed, like they're they're probably not going to play the Lakers, and like they have to beat whoever the eight seed is. And if it's Memphis, if it's the Spurs, if it's the Warriors with Steph Curry, who just beat them last night in a really entertaining game. Granted, Donovan and Mike Conley didn't play, but they got to win that matchup. If you are a great team, and it, I, I would. You know, I'm a believer in a lot of their advanced statistics, and I think they'll carry over into the postseason. And then after that, like in round two, let's say it's uh, you know Denver versus well Denver versus Portland is the the first round matchup. So playing one of those two teams in the second round, like you have to win if you're Utah, right? Like you can't. Lo- I'm with you. You can't lose to Jokic and Michael Porter without Jamal Murray there. You can't. I know Portland's been really hot lately, but they're a very up-and-down team with they a very better suspect smack Portland. defense. Yeah, they better smack yeah. Portland. Come on, Utah. No more lowering this bar. Let's hold these guys to a standard, <laughs> Michael. <laughs> yeah, so I, 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 you know, if if they were to lose in a series like that, then I think huge changes would have to come in the organization, which would be really fascinating, given the contracts and the money that they just gave out to some people. Well, so um, I would actually disagree. I'm not sure there would be huge changes. I think the biggest oh. change would be expectations, you know? It would just, like, kind of all come back to earth and they would be that team that's like the cute story team it's like well we did it guys we had a dream season and we're all going home with orange slices because we lost in the first round and like we'll be back next year like I just think that they would try to run it back and everybody would just disregard them and to me that's sad because that doesn't properly capture how good they've been this year so that's why I'm saying they got to make some some real noise in this postseason because you're not going to change. You're not going to trade Gobert. Contract's huge. You're not going to move mm-hmm. off of Mitchell. That's the face. Quinn's one of the best five or six coaches in the league. You know, like they're pretty locked in with who they are. You know. No, I mean it, it is. You're. It's. It's a great point by you. I. I have a hard time seeing structural changes, and you know, I think crazy things happen in the NBA, and the power of frustration and the power of impatience sometimes wins out. Um, but you know, if they get to the conference finals and they're up against the Clippers, let's say, like I'm picking the Clippers in that series. I'm sorry, I just am. Um, awesome. So I'll take Utah. That's... Let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> um, well, no. So yeah, we're we're kind of in alignment in terms of where we think. I guess you're being a little bit looser, but you assume they're going to win the first round series. If they go out in round two against the, the Lakers or someone, you're not going to hold that against them. Is is sort of what you're saying, right? Yeah, exactly. Okay, so you're you're giving them like one extra step. I, I'm holding them to a slightly higher standard. That's fine. Who's your number mm-hmm. three player on this pressure list? 
So I, I actually thought this was going to be your number two, um, and potentially even your number one. Uh, and the answer is for me, Joel Embiid. Nope, um, he's on my list. He's number four for me. Um, but it's a great pick. Please explain. I mean, he does a lot of talking about individual. This isn't even like the core crux of my argument, but he does a lot of talking about individual awards more so than I think. I don't know. Like, a, I would like to see him just be more been there, done that a little bit, even well, though he hasn't won an MVP yeah, or a defensive th- player of the year. Just that's like, a, that's a problem. I mean, if you want to be been there, done that, you've got to been there before, right? <laughs> <laughs> that's very fair. Very that's fair. the big hangup. Right. That's no. That's fair. Um, but here is someone who I guess sees himself as the most dominant player in the entire NBA and the best basketball player in the world when he's healthy. And you know, I'm not. Who is to fault him for believing that? But he also has never been to the conference finals. And you know, we're talking about multiple years here. This isn't like he's only been in the playoffs to. Um, or three seasons like he's been there quite a bit he's played in a lot of playoff series he's never beaten the Boston Celtics I just want to throw that in there real quick Um, but he's won two playoff series in his entire career and they're the one seed and well didn't Ben Simmons win one of those series and Jimmy won the other one I mean did (laughs) I mean like that sounds really a, a jerkish thing for me to say but that's pretty much what happened no, I mean, I, yeah, thinking back on the absolute specifics, I, I do recall, especially that Nets series where he was kind of in and out um, of the lineup due to sickness. Uh, yeah, he did not necessarily carry them. He was also not bad either. But, like, you know, I'm not going to fault him for what happened last year in the bubble without Ben Simmons, although they did get swept um, by the Celtics. Uh, he was a monster in that series, and he needs to be a monster going forward. And it's just, it's going to be really fascinating because he is, at the end of the day, a big man. And the playoffs, you know, throwing it to him in the post, defenses are way more locked in on where their rotations need to be, how they're going to, when they're going to double, how they're going to double from what angle, who's coming, when, all that. And it's going to be really interesting to see how he responds. It's going to be interesting to see how the supporting cast responds. And, you know, I I'm a little bit of a doubt doubter when it comes to the Philadelphia 76ers. I don't think that they are this juggernaut one seed. I think that they are built to roll over in the regular season. And I think the playoffs will be a little bit more challenging for them, particularly because of um, how often they play their starting five and just their starting five just obliterates the the. Uh, opposition every single night i don't think they're a very deep basketball team so the load on Embiid is going to be humongous he's known for wearing down in the playoffs physically and this is another case where like you know they're if assuming they're the one seed they're going to only play one of the nets and the bucks most likely so there's just no excuses and I mean, if they don't reach the conference finals, I, like which you know I see as a potential possibility, like what do we even? It kind of goes back to what I was saying with Giannis. Like, what do we even think about Embiid going forward after the season he just had? Very well summarized. I think I'm actually a little bit more optimistic than you are uh, about this situation. At least I'm not going to be trying to like paint it as in as dire 
you know, terms as you did. <laughs> I think they're going to make the conference finals, especially if they're the one seed. Um, I'm not mm-hmm. going to say it's going to be easy, but I think they're going to get there. I think Embiid, you mentioned he needs to be better than he was in last year's uh, bubble playoffs. He's been, to me, noticeably better this season than last year and in better shape, better condition. You know, put aside the injury issue, of course, like he's answered that bell remarkably well, and it was great to see. There are going to be adjustments in the postseason like you're describing. I do think he's going to be facing a lot more individual attention. People are going to say, let's try to make Philly supporting cast guys, um, you know, beat us. And he needs to show he can make much better decisions in those situations when it comes to assist to turnover ratio, player control stuff. He just has to be better than he was in last year's playoffs. There's there's no way around it. If he's going to have the ball in his hands that much, he does have to step up on that front. Um, at the same time, I don't expect them to win the East, and I don't expect them to win the finals. So there's an opportunity for him to you know, surpass or even blow away my expectations this year. And so I think maybe I'm not quite as... Uh, you know, focused really intently on the the pressure stuff from him. I want to see him step up, but I'm pretty confident he's going to be there. And really, if if they make the conference finals and lose to the Bucks or the Nets, I wouldn't view that as a disaster for Philly because we saw what a disaster looks like for Philly, and that was last year when Jason Tatum was just dropping three pointers in his eye, play after play after play after play. Right. So if you have progress to sell this year, if MB plays better. If they reach the conference finals, I think they're in good shape. If they were to have some sort of a, a massive flame out, then I do think that would stick to him for sure in a very similar to like a Giannis fashion from last year. Um, but I don't totally foresee that happening. You know, I think that they're going to be in you know relatively firm ground, at least until they have to face one of the other two really good teams um, in the Eastern Conference. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. An epic matchup between your two favorite teams, and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express. You breeze through the card member entrance, stop by the lounge. Now it's almost tip-off, and everyone's already on their feet. This is going to be good. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your live sports experience at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. What up, everyone? It's Lunchbox from the Bobby Bone Show, and I'm here to tell you the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive. You can count on your new Camry to get you anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. 
Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. I'm going to give you my number three. It's probably going to annoy you. Okay. I can't wait. Kawhi Leonard, uh, Los Angeles Clippers. Kawhi Leonard. So I think he's in this conversation for the same reason that if we had done pressure cooker before last year's playoffs, I would have had LeBron at number one, right? What, What LeBron was bearing heading into last year's bubble was this idea of the entire decision of going to LA, of teaming up with Anthony Davis, taking a chance on the Lakers, pulling all these puppet master strings to get them in position to kind of compete for a title. And then everyone expecting, because he's the quote-unquote best player in the world, that he better step up and deliver and do it, right? And I think for Kawhi Leonard, you know, the counter is going to be, well, he's already got, you know, multiple titles. He's already got finals MVP awards. He has nothing left to prove. I don't think that's true at all. He's got plenty left to prove um, in terms of where he's going to stack up all time among the historic greats. He's been kind of a forgotten man this season. I'm glad both of us were able to give him his his just recognition in the All-NBA uh, conversation. He's not going to be getting very many MVP votes, and I think that's fine. And when you're looking at his decision and the last two years of everything that the Clippers have done, it's all about Kawhi. Kawhi is in the middle of it. Lou Williams gone, Montrez Harrell gone, um, you know, Paul George in because Kawhi Leonard wanted him, Shea Gilgis-Alexander out, a whole bunch of draft picks out because of Kawhi Leonard. He has to step up and be better in this year's postseason than when he was in last year's postseason. Now, I know you and I would probably give Kawhi different letter grades for how he played in last year's playoffs. You'd probably be really generous and be really nice and say, you know, Kawhi did fine. I would not. You know, there was a number of games, no shows, horrible play you know horrible plays down the stretch bad decisions uh pacificity not getting his teammates you know hyped up and ready for the moment and I put that on him as a leader now I'm also going to say this is going to be a shared spot with him and, and Paul George Paul George is the easier target he's always going to be called playoff p all that stuff and when he doesn't play well the Clippers really struggle so I understand he's kind of to me like an x factor in this conversation but I think there's some real pressure on Kawhi Leonard to deliver on his entire blueprint master plan of leaving Toronto for the Clippers, if they don't at least get to the conference finals and better yet, the finals, I just think that people are going to start you know, viewing him differently. There's so many other talented guys. At that point, he's not a top five player anymore. At that point, he's probably getting closer to eight, nine, or 10 in these conversations um, you know, from a, a collective standpoint. And that's not where he was when he was coming off that title with Toronto. He was, you know, one or two in those kinds of debates. So that's why I say pressure on Kawhi. Go ahead, counselor, make your defense. Uh, Kawhi is incredible. He would be on my MVP ballot. He is first team All NBA. He has in his career two Finals MVPs, two titles. I, I get what you're saying about. You know, he needs this is an opportunity for him. What have you done for me lately, (laughs) Kawhi? Okay. Well, look, I get what you're saying about, you know, he needs to um, uh, 
put a few more trophies on the mantle if he wants to be viewed historically as one of the all-time greats. I mean, I personally already think he's one of the all-time greats. Um, and, I mean, there's a lot of evidence to support that opinion. Well, I mean, he, where, where would you put him? I mean, 30s, 40s, all-time, you know, somewhere in that range. He's not a top 20 guy. There's no way. Top 20 all-time? Yeah, no um, pro- Probably not. <laughs> that's, a, that's, that's tough to do. Well, so that's what uh, I'm saying. So he has a lot to prove and a lot to gain here. You know, if you're talking about three finals, three uh, finals MVPs with three different organizations, okay, now we're getting somewhere in terms of like, all right, where do you really stand in history? I just don't think he's on that right. cut yet. Right. No, I hear you. I, I, I also think in this you know, transitions seamlessly into my number four, who is Paul George. See, this like, is a typical pro Kawhi argument. Oh yeah, throw poor Paul George under the bus and let Kawhi <laughs> yeah. off the hook entirely. Well, look, we both watched uh, the playoffs last year, correct? And I did. I yes. am. <laughs> I, I thank you. I know you might have written something about it. Um, if you want to plug that right now, you Amazon, may, Barnes and Noble, wherever you get your books, <laughs> Bubble Ball by Ben Golliver, Inside the NBA's Fight to Save a Season. Um, no, so you're saying last year's playoffs crystallized like, look, that Paul, Paul George was the problem, not Kawhi. I, I wouldn't say it was an either or. I'm not going to pretend like Kawhi cannot be faulted at all, um, particularly you know in those second halves of games seven, six, and five against the Nuggets in round two like those were tough like you if you are one of the best players in the league you can't let your team blow a second half lead in a playoff series when a lot of people think you should win the NBA championship that's just not acceptable um I do think that you know there were there's a lot of weird circumstances with that series that were not Kawhi's fault Um, I agree I agree yeah okay and I mean one of them was Paul George and I'm sensitive to what he was going through in the bubble, and he spoke about um, the darkness, the dark thoughts that he had, and um, how they impacted his on-court performance. Um, and so, I, I, I am, I understand all of that, and I don't want to uh, diminish the importance there. But like, it, it, he, the results just just weren't there at the end of the day for him. And he's a better player than that. And he's spent this entire season on this like revenge tour where his numbers have been ridiculous. He's looked as good as he's ever looked at points this season. And so if all of a sudden he falls off a little bit in the playoffs, like, I don't, I don't know, like we're outside the bubble and uh, like, I just think if he wants to be considered one of the best and he just signed this contract extension, like he needs to show up in these playoffs and prove it. There's just no excuses anymore. Totally agree. Um, and look, it's not like that was his first time struggling. You know, there was moments in Indiana, the Oklahoma mm-hmm. City years didn't necessarily go great for him. Of course, there were some injury extenuating circumstances there. It's kind of all lining up. You know, you're gonna, you're never going to get a better shot at the Lakers than this year when you've got AD and LeBron kind of coming back. You know, pretty late in the season, a whole bunch of new pieces in that Lakers lineup. Like this is kind of go time for the Clippers. So I say it's conference finals or bust for them. Is that the line you would draw? Like to me, if they lose the Lakers in the second round, I would pick the Lakers in that series. But if the Clippers lost, I would say not good enough. I would not pick pick the Lakers in that series. Not that that surprises anyone. Um, but Lakers Kings, what do you think? Who would you take, Michael? Is Halliburton back? Or no? <laughs> very very well played. 
<laughs> um, but no, I, I if they don't reach the conference finals, then yeah, it's a disaster. I don't know who's getting traded. I don't know. I mean, I don't think Kawhi's re-signing or signing elsewhere, but he is a free agent. I just like we, we that no one ever talks about this, but technically he can be a free agent this summer. And so if there is a tire fire in the postseason, another year in a row. Anything can happen in the NBA. So I just want to keep that in mind. But I do expect them to get at least to the conference finals. There's the headline. Michael Pina reports Kawhi Leonard will be signing with the the Knicks in free agency after the Clippers bomb out in the first round. No, you know what my my great hot take... I don't think I've said this on the podcast yet, but I have texted a few friends and they've called me crazy. But the scenario that I absolutely want more than anything in life right now is that's related to the NBA at least um, is for Kawhi to uh, sign with the San Antonio Spurs. Wow. Full circle. (laughs) Yeah. That's what I I want. (laughs) I'm coming home. I'm coming home. Yeah. That'd be great. And that's just never happening, but that's what I want. Well, Michael, in this conversation, we exhausted the other two names on my list because that was Embiid and Giannis. So I'm out of my five. Who else do you have oh. on your list to uh, to close this thing out? Oh, this will be interesting. Um, my number five is Chris Paul. So he was my honorable mention, um, and then I decided to throw Kawhi under the bus. So I, you know, I, yeah. I, I <laughs> threw my list around a little bit. I think it's a completely fair and fascinating one. First of all, what do you expect from Chris Paul this year? And then again, where do you draw the baseline for success for the Suns? It's the, my baseline for success for the Suns. I mean, it's it's again, you got to look at what the matchup's going to be. Like, it looks like they are going to get they're, they're in line to to get the Lakers in round one, and that is tough. That is very tough. We have talked about how the Suns do not match up well against Anthony Davis, and you know, I know Andre Drummond hasn't played very well, but that just that huge front court with Drummond. And Davis and LeBron and I, I just Aiden's not ready for that man. He's not. Nah, He's had a good season, even. but I mean, if you're him and you're sitting in that locker room, you know, you're getting the speech from Monty Williams, and it's like, all right, go out there. You've only got to deal with LeBron, AD, and Drummond. Like, come on, man. He's not ready for that. That would be an absolute nightmare scenario for him. Uh, you know, they have Dario Saric as their backup five. Frank Kaminsky's in their rotation right now. Like, it's just the front court is just it would be demolition derby. Um, Some real flashback so, vibes to AD just <laughs> killing Olenek in the finals last year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I, I'm, you know. I'm hesitant to say if they don't reach the conference finals because they're the two seed, then they stink. Like, that's not fair because the Lakers are the Lakers. They won the title last year. They have the best player of all time on their team. Um, but I also, at the same time, I'm kind of like, this is a great opportunity for Chris Paul to finally break. Like, I think the Suns team is very good and they have a lot of complementary pieces. They play the right way. Um, the chemistry is terrific. I think Devin Booker is probably not going to make an All-NBA team, but he's an All-NBA caliber player and has made strides on both ends this season. But, like, I don't know. Like, I, I you know, I, I would like to see them go far, but then I just look at... And this, I don't want to get critical with Chris Paul because I think he's one of the greatest players of all time. But, like, his postseason, not individually, but just how his teams have performed throughout his career in the postseason. Like, he's 7-12 and 12 in his career in playoff series. 
He's six and six in round one. He's one in five in round two, and he's never won in the conference finals that one year where he um, pulled his hamstring against the Golden State Warriors in 2018. So this is probably his last shot. You know, I'm not trying to say that next season he's going to fall off a cliff, but he is like a 36 year old. 5'11 point guard and it's going to happen eventually I would just say it's his last best shot right yeah I think that that's fair I think that the Phoenix Suns have caught lightning in a bottle this year and no one expected them to be this good they're not going to sneak up on anybody going forward and it looks like also you know it would be great if they actually had someone like Halliburton in the wings who could contribute but they kind of it appears they probably whiffed on last year's draft pick so they don't have a lot a of hedging of there talent. appears and probably I mean come on man. They, <laughs> yeah, they, they blew that pick is what you meant to say <laughs> yeah I guess that's fair um so this is it like I want to see Chris I'm rooting for Chris Paul I love Chris Paul I want him to get far um uh further than he's ever been frankly but you know if they face the Lakers in round one man like that's that's tough very tough yeah, here's what I would say. I don't view them at all in the same category as Utah, where I'm saying conference finals are bust. They're very similar record-wise. They've kind of done it in similar ways in terms of good two-way balance, steady play all year long. I mean, Utah's best players are all in their prime. They've all been in the playoffs before together. This is sort of like, hey, we're three quarters of the way up the mountain, and we just got to kind of scale this thing. For Phoenix, you're playing with house money. I'm sure Suns fans would think that that might be a little bit um, insulting here, you know, and saying, oh, come on, you've got to treat us a little bit uh, more seriously. If they win a first-round first playoff series, you know, as long as they don't play the Lakers, I think that they will win one. And in that scenario, it's already a successful season, right? Nobody saw that coming. So that's already a win. If they lose the Lakers in the first round, that is not a disaster. I mean, if you're playing a slow-down, control-paced series against LeBron, it's LeBron versus Chris Paul. If I just told you to throw away the records, you know, which team do you want? You're taking LeBron 10 times out of 10. You are. And you would have been doing that for the last 16 years of their respective careers, right? I mean, it's not some big slight there. So mm-hmm. I say win a first round series. If you don't get the Lakers, congratulations. I don't really expect them to go to the conference finals, even in that scenario. And if they lose in the first round, I will not be killing them for that because I would just say, look, I mean, you know, they. They were 15 games probably better than I expected this year. And so, you know, based on that, you know, a team in that lower range is typically going to go out early, and and that's okay too. For Chris, in terms of his legacy and what does this mean, I think it's kind of all upside because I think he's already stuck with this label of can't get over the hump, right? So if he actually Mm -hmm. did, I think people would give him credit and say congratulations. If he didn't, it would just be more like it was in Oklahoma City last year where it was like, man, you gave it a great college try. What a year, you know, like we didn't see it coming. You continue to fight age. And of course, yeah, he's 36 now. So what really did you expect? I think there would be a lot of, you know, quote unquote excuse making that would actually be totally valid. Right. And it would be more just like explaining obvious circumstances. So that's why I, I felt comfortable leaving him off of my list. Okay, so I, I have a very specific. I agree with a lot of what you said, but I have a very specific hypothetical. Bring it where, on. Okay, so let's say they they duck the Lakers in round one, and they get um, I don't know the Warriors or the Grizzlies, and they dispatch of them. And then you know the standings are not solidified as we record this, and so there is a, a possibility for the Denver Nuggets to get the three seed. I take Denver. You would take Denver over Phoenix. One's got playoff joker, man. One doesn't. I don't think people are really buying in enough 
to this legend of playoff joker. I lectured you about this last week, <laughs> how we need to be hyping this guy up more and talking about him as one of the best players in basketball. The dude's a monster. You want to throw Aiton on playoff joker? I'm sorry. Like, look, I would feel a lot better about that pick if they had Murray, no question. But um, I'm riding with playoff joker in a lot of these matchups, man. I do not want to be disrespectful to Nikola Jokic, so I will not. I will say that Michael Porter Jr. is so much better than I frankly thought he would ever be. <laughs> like he is, he's already just like I'm. Honestly, like Denver's front office, like their ability to just be so confident in not trading Jamal Murray and then not trading Michael Porter Jr. and both becoming ridiculous talents. Uh, like, hat tip to them. Hat tip to Tim Connolly and that whole that whole group there. Um, but I had them third look, if, for executive of the year on my ballot this year. Number one was Sean Marks, of course. Uh, number two was mm. actually James Jones, despite that, uh, that draft pick snafu that we mentioned. <laughs> Taking the risk on Chris Paul at his number and getting a pretty good trade terms for Chris Paul – Hasn't been discussed enough, right? Like, look what Houston, you know, over the barrel gave up to get Westbrook for Paul. And then look what Phoenix did to get Chris Paul and how many wins they got out of that. I mean, of course, they parted with a few assets here and there, but I thought James Jones did awesome. Um, Connolly, the Aaron Gordon trade, you know, that if they hadn't done that trade and they lost Murray, they'd be up a creek right now, right? And mm-hmm. I think that they're still, you know, able to kind of like hang around they found Faku god knows where that's been an interesting pick too and you're right their their patience in MPJ has been well rewarded this year as well so they were third on my ballot so I know he's not technically the GM but did Fertitta crack the conversation for you and you were just trying to debate who's the best just you know making personnel decisions and kind of overseeing operations he was in my top 31 this year um (laughs) And this is a 30-team league, um, so uh, yeah, no, he he wasn't he wasn't anywhere close to that conversation. Been a tough year um, for the Houston Rockets. I do kind of feel like which way is the karma going to fall for them, Michael? I mean, look into your you know get your Oracle of Oregon hat on. You know, are they going to get that number one pick so they can kind of get back on track and save that franchise, or are they going to fall out of that top group, have to hand the pick to Oklahoma City, and then just be absolutely screwed for next year too? Make a call. I've been I've been saying it all year. They they're gonna get it. I mean, Fertitta just did this interview where he's talking about how great he feels for uh, overseeing the whatever fifteen sixteen win Houston Rockets that Good. have been a total embarrassment all season. Well, like, do you remember he's, that? He's, do you remember when uh, Harden was first like saying, "Hey, maybe I want out," and I like I wrote a column challenging Fertitta to like take ownership of his own team and like you be the main personality. Like, don't let this be Harden's team anymore. I'm so glad he he positively <laughs> responded to that line of argumentation. Yeah, um, just a total disgrace on a lot of levels. But uh, but yeah, um, I guess you know, circling back real quick to to uh, Chris Paul. Um, so you think I was too harsh to include him, or is there any other? Who are your? Did you have any other honorable mentions? Because these five really just immediately popped into my head, and then I just kind of had to order them. Um, no, you got, you know, pretty much the guys I was thinking of. I mean, honorable mention, I think Ben Simmons is kind of always in that uh, category. I Mm. would say, you know, sometimes the first year players to me, they don't face quite as much pressure. It's a little bit of a different standard, right? But there's some guys who are getting in there for the first time who I'm like, all right, I really want to see what these guys look like when, you know, things matter. So for example, Trey Young, uh, Julius Randle, 
I would have had. Oh, that's a good one. I, I would have had Levine on my list, but you know, Bulls didn't make the playoffs, so that's not going to happen. Um, I think kind of guys like that, but I wanted to save the first timers because I do think you know it's kind of trial by fire here. Um, you know, Bo- mm-hmm. Booker would be in that category as well, where it's like, all right, you know, we've seen all the numbers, you put up the stats for a long time, you've you've shown regular season progress. We've all been waiting for five or six years to kind of like see what you can really do in these moments, and so please show it to us. Um, Luca, similarly, I, mean, I was. Uh, yes. No, go. I'm sorry for cutting you off. That was a name that just popped in my head that I wanted to talk about. No need to apologize, Michael. I know you're always ready, just willing to pounce on Luca. Uh, <laughs> another one of your, your pet projects of, of uh, hatred. Um, I think that he has not enough talent around him this year to really face the daggers, right? Um, mm-hmm. I don't expect them to win a first round series. I just don't think that they've been that good this season and they're going to get a tough matchup, a tough draw. Um, he was so good in his his playoff debut last year in terms of that first series. It was like 31-10-9 or something like that, that I feel like you know he could survive even you know like a C series without too much damage to his reputation. Um, but you know it's coming for them as an organization in the next couple of years. They are going to have to win a series here like within the first four years of Luca's career or people are going to be freaking out saying, oh, they need more help. They got to do X, Y, and Z. Luca should leave. Like, you can kind of see that conversation burbling in the the deep distance, but I don't think mm-hmm. they need to necessarily show progress this year. You know, in terms of making a playoff run, I think they'd be okay even if they don't. So tying it into our last conversation though about Luca and um, his uh, whining and all of that, if he were to have a um, an emotional meltdown in the postseason would that impact? And they they lost to a better team like the Clippers, but he just self-combusted what would that do to how you view him anything well you know i was the guy who was upset about the low blow you wanted to leave him off scot-free i mean i couldn't believe how loose and lenient you were um if he punches someone below the belt because he's losing a playoff game i will be very upset i'll put it that way if he gets himself ejected um you know with technicals uh that will be inexcusable you know from a leadership standpoint He's going to have to show better composure. Remember, the Clippers picked on him a lot in last year's playoffs, and I think all things considered, he handled it pretty well. There was a little dust up here and there. I think the Clippers were just trying to test him. Um, for me, Luca's the kind of guy when the lights go on, you know, quote unquote, he's going to be there. I trust him, so I'm not super duper worried about that. Uh, but he's had a couple moments here recently that that do make you think twice. Um, I think his composure will be under the radar. I think that's very fair to say. I think that even though he will be going up against a superior team, like he is so good that like the, I think the expectation should always be frankly for the rest of his, I I don't know, like the next 10, 12 years that when this guy is in a playoff series, especially early in the playoffs, his team should win because that's just how the NBA works. Like, when you're as good as Luca is and you can dominate a game and there's no there's no strategy to slow Luca down really <laughs> there just isn't he can do what he wants on a basketball court like those teams that have those players typically advance in the postseason so Okay so who do you see them being able to beat Well first of uh, I mean like if they got the Clippers again I'm not going to pick them over the Clippers um but, that's probably who they're going to get, and that's they're probably going to lose. <laughs> you know, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I I know this is like it's it, I, it. This is a tough 
point for me to make or even articulate, but No, I'm with you. I, no, I'm with what you're saying hypothetically. I just am trying to ground it in this year's reality and it's like, look, yeah, it's yeah. Luca versus, you know, it's Luca and Dorian Finney-Smith who is underrated versus Kawhi and Paul George. I mean, come on, you know. Do, what about Dame? Do you feel any anything with the Blazers and them and their situation? Is there any pressure on any of those guys? I don't think so. There's pressure on Coach Stotts and I think the front office at this point locally in terms of mm-hmm. like where is this thing headed. So they have to they have to put up a competitive fight. You know, you can't just get wiped out in the first round. But I don't see a, a ton of pressure on the individual players. I mean, this could be a summer where you take a look at breaking up the Dame and CJ backcourt if things don't go well. And so maybe there's a, a level mm-hmm. of pressure on CJ to step up, but. He's kind of been who he is, you know, in the playoffs. Like, I don't feel like he's, you know, got a, a reputation as being someone who you can't trust. So I don't really see that. What about you? Yeah. No, I, I 100% agree. I mean, Dame is Dame. Like, he's the coolest dude in the league. He's He does not – I mean, he's at, like, two buzzer beaters to close out series. He's got an unimpeachable resume. So I don't. I don't think that any pressure should be on him. But I agree with you that – but, you know, potentially the front office, potentially, um, you know, I think that there will be significant moves made. Uh, they have a lot of young pieces that, you know, if they don't contribute in the postseason, um, some trades could be made. Absolutely. Uh, and so it's going to be it's going to be interesting for Portland. But I, I think I fundamentally agree that Dame is not at fault if they lose in the first round. I'm with you. Any final honorable mentions before we wrap this thing up, Michael? I mean, can I ask you if, given everything that happened this season, you know, hypothetically, if Jalen Brown never got hurt, would you have Tatum on your list? Well, they have to make the playoffs first, Michael. That's that's part of this. Okay, jeez Louise. (laughs) I don't think I would have. I mean, you, you know how I feel about Tatum. I want to see him more in the alpha mode. I want to see him more doing late game stuff like he's done down the stretch. And I want to see him watching Marcus Smart less in key moments, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that, that's pretty much what it boils down to. He had a really solid overall postseason last year. He's still very young. This hasn't been their year. I have zero expectations for the Celtics. Frankly, I wrote them off in mid-January. That's that's so rude. Um, but completely accurate but... and held up brilliantly. <laughs> and I'm accepting all apologies from New England. Well, hold your breath, my friend. Um, do you, do you, what about, um, I guess while we're just throwing names out there that are kind of interesting, uh, it, like the Wizards obviously are the Wizards and technically have not even qualified for the play-in, I believe. Uh, but, you know, given everything that's happened with Russ over the past, uh, you know, three, four, five weeks and how good he's looked and, you know, that he's got the, he's the new triple double King all time, et cetera. Like if he just enters the playoffs, because I, I personally give him a, 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 a bit of a pass for last year because of, of COVID. And uh, he was just clearly not physically, not the same player to anyone who watched that series against the Lakers. But if he just comes into the playoffs and is, you know, coughing the ball up eight times a game and bricking, you know, elbow jumpers left and right and just clearly assist hunting and barking at teammates who try to get rebounds instead of him. Like, 
what could happen with Russ, I guess, in terms of our perception of him, anything in the postseason? Or well, is it just kind of like, is, we've been here, done there with this thing? Yeah, I mean, this you've heard the Nas album, It Was Written, right? I mean, this story's been written. Um, <laughs> since the moment Kevin Durant left Oklahoma City, um, we've seen what Russell Westbrook does in the playoffs. Um, there's been extenuating circumstances, you know, for sure. I like that he doesn't try to use the injury stuff as excuses and he just owns his play. I have zero expectations for the Wizards or Westbrook in a first-round series. Um, I think that the way they play in terms of fast pace, up and down, all offense, no defense, I just don't see that working for them to any meaningful degree. Uh, maybe they could catch Philly napping like maybe two games in a best-case scenario, but I think we're going to look back on it and say, wow, like Washington showed a lot of heart to not fold in a really tough year, and they racked up a lot of unexpected victories against teams that were – kind of cruising to the finish line in a very strange season. Um, but it was all, it was all a uh, sizzle, no stake. I, I guess I'd put it that way. Mm. You know, since the all-star break, the Washington Wizards have the 10th best defense in the NBA. Yeah. I'm just going to throw that set out there. Good, I know. Good luck I, with I, that. I, I, good I, luck with that <laughs> holding up. Cause can I just read you some of the scores from their recent games? Is that all right? <laughs> sure. Like, I don't know. I mean, this is really great radio as I, like, pull this up. But, you know, I think it's very important because I was, you know, digging in, like, you know, what's Westbrook been up to? Um, what do these uh, triple number, uh, triple double numbers, like, really mean? Like, how is everything going? So let me just pull up their game log here. I mean, again, here's... Okay, they, they lost 125-124. Then this is going in reverse order. 133, 132, 131, 129, 135, 134, 154 to 124 points, Michael. I mean, that's just never, ever going to happen in a playoff series. Come on. I know we're living in this crazy, like, stat age right now. We're pacing spaces up like crazy. If you can't keep a team under 124 points for a two-week stretch, you're not going to be winning a playoff series. Yeah, you know, I just, as you were talking, I was on one of my wonky um, advanced stat sites, and I was trying to see where the Wizards ranked over their past six or seven games, and then I saw that the Celtics were uh, way worse than them. And so I'm just going to close this tab and um, gracefully uh, exit this podcast, I think. It, it, that's that's pretty much the right time for that. And that, that sounds right. You go back to watching those uh, Boston <laughs> Celtics. They got Mookie Betts, right? <laughs> Why, why would you say something like that? What a low blow. My goodness. Hey, it's almost baseball season, right? All right, Michael. I think it is actually baseball season. Who knows? Who cares? NBA playoffs are coming up. All right. Well, thanks for that conversation. That was an awful lot of fun, Michael. We will be back. Like I said earlier, my last episode for Open Floor will be uh, next week. Well, it'll be released on Tuesday. From there, Michael will take the reins and, and f- drive forward into the beautiful tomorrow. You guys can find him on Instagram and Twitter at Michael Villas and Victor Pina. I'm on Instagram at Ben.Golver, on Twitter at BenGolver. Don't forget, email the show, openfloormail at gmail.com, openfloormail at gmail.com. Let us know who we forgot. Let us know who we were too hard on, too easy on. We want to know all that stuff. Um, also, Michael, they can find this show on Apple Podcasts by searching for Open Floor. That's two words. When you find our page, scroll down. It will say rate and review. Tap five stars. It's just that easy to help us spread the word. All right, Michael, until next week, I will talk to you. Talk soon, Ben.
Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to the Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. When you're an American Express Platinum Card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've, I've lost count. Or, Shoot that, shoot that! And even... Checkout's not until 4, so... Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. 